I'm going to start with a question that some may have um, hearing these presentations of martyrs' uh, testimonies this year. Why would we want to recall the horrific atrocities these innumerable believers went through for many centuries? Uh, one verse I chose to answer that question is Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Amen. There isn't anything in this day and time that helps us towards any of those things outside these walls unless you make special efforts to deny your flesh, walk in the Spirit, spend time in prayer, fellowship with other brothers that press you heavenward and other such. We spend too much time in leisure and frivolity of activities without our heavenly destiny and heart and mind. By reading through these history of martyrs and having these memorials, my hope is that it will cause us to reflect, deny our flesh, live sober, godly, and holy lives, and give thanks for our current day freedom to worship the Lord without fear of such persecution. Amen. Just because we live in such freedom, it should not give us the comfort to just eat, drink, and be merry in carnal Christianity. God's goodness to us should lead us to repentance. Amen. Second Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Right. If we aren't suffering any persecution, maybe we should examine our lives and change some things to be more like Christ. All right, please turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll start in verse 33. The end of this chapter gives us some details of what was to come for the next several centuries. I'll read these, and then a general record of persecution suffered from Fox's book, and then give a short testimony of three men that showed great fortitude and faith to endure such tortures and give us a true example of Christian resignation. Hebrews 11:33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains, and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Amen. All right. So this is just a general persecutions um, from an excerpt I took out of Fox's. Um, they, were all, they all occurred in Germany half-strangling and recovering the persons again repeatedly, rolling sharp wheels over the fingers and toes, pinching the thumbs in a vice, forcing the most filthy things down the throat by, men, by which many were choked, tying cords around the head so tightly that the blood gushed out of their eyes, nose, ears, and mouth, fastening 
burning matches to the fingers, toes, ears, arms, legs, and even the thong, tongue. Putting powder in the mouth and setting fire to it, by which the head was shattered to pieces. Tying bags of powder to all parts of the body, by which the person was blown up. Drawing cords backwards and forwards through the fleshy parts. Making incisions with bodkins and knives in the skin. Running wires through the ears, nose, lips, etc. Hanging Protestants up by the legs with their heads over a fire, by which they were smoke-dried hanging up by one arm until it was dislocated, hanging upon hooks by the ribs, forcing people to drink until they burst, baking many in hot ovens, fixing weights to the feet and drawing up with several pulleys, hanging, stifling, roasting, stabbing, frying, racking, ravishing, ripping open, breaking the bones, rasping off the flesh, tearing with wild horses, drowning, strangling, burning, broiling, crucifying, poisoning, cutting off tongues, nose, ears, etc., sawing off limbs, hacking to pieces, and drawing by the heels through the streets. It's pretty sobering. They endured much. Matthew 5.10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This one, these three men are from Antwerp, Belgium, in 1568. Uh, their three names were Scoblant, Hughes, and Cummins. During their confinement, they behaved with great fortitude and cheerfulness, confessing that the hand of God appeared and fallen unto them and bowing before the throne of his providence. In an epistle to some worthy Protestants, they expressed themselves in the following words. Since it is the will of the Almighty that we should suffer for his name, and be persecuted for the sake of his gospel, we patiently submit, and are joyful upon the occasion. Though the flesh may rebel against the spirit, and hearken to the counsel of the old servant, yet the truths of the gospel shall prevent such advice from being taken, and Christ shall bruise the serpent's head. We are not comfortless in confinement, for we have faith. We fear not affliction, for we have hope. And we forgive our enemies, for we have charity. Be not under apprehensions for us. We are happy in confinement. Through the promises of God, glory in our bonds, and exult in being thought worthy to suffer for the sake of Christ. We desire not to be released, but to be blessed with fortitude. We ask not for liberty, but the power of perseverance, and wish for no change in our condition, but that which places a crown of martyrdom upon our heads. Scoblant was the first to be brought to trial. When persisting in the profession of his, faith, of his faith, he received sentence of death. On his return to prison, he earnestly requested the jailer not to permit any friar to come near him, saying, They can do me no good, but may greatly disturb me. I hope my salvation is already sealed in heaven, and that the blood of Christ, in which I firmly put my trust, hath washed me from my iniquities. I am going to throw off this mantle of clay to be clad in robes of eternal glory, by whose celestial brightness I shall be freed from all errors. I hope I may be the last martyr to papal tyranny, and the blood already spilt found sufficient to quench the thirst of popish cruelty, that the Church of Christ may have rest here, as his servants will hereafter. On the day of execution, 
He took a leave of his fellow prisoners, and at stake he fervently said the Lord's Prayer, sung the 40th Psalm, and commended his soul to God as he was burned alive. Hughes soon died in prison, upon which the occasion Cummins wrote thus to his friends. I am now deprived of my friends and companions. Scloblant is martyred, Hughes is dead. By the visitation of the Lord, yet I am not alone. I have with me the God of Abraham, Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. He is my comfort and shall be my reward. Pray unto God to strengthen me to the end, as I expect every hour to be freed from this tenement of clay. On his trial, he freely confessed himself of the Reformed religion, answered with with manly fortitude to every charge against him, and proved the scriptural part of his answers from the gospel. The judge told him the only alternatives were recantation or death, and he concluded by saying, Will you die for the faith you profess? To which Cummins replied, I am not only willing to die, but to suffer the most excruciating torments for it, after which my soul shall receive its confirmation from God himself in the midst of eternal glory. Being condemned, he went cheerfully to the place of execution and died with the most manly fortitude and Christian resignation.